Well, hi there, everybody. Thank you for joining me today for Gateway Church Online. If we haven't met before, my name is Luke. I'm the pastor of Gateway, and I'm so pleased that you decided to join with me today. And I pray that God will speak to you through this message. I pray that you will be encouraged. And we're going to begin a brand new sermon series together as we build up to Christmas. The title of this series is called Why Christmas? We're going to look at some of the reasons why we have different traditions. I'm sure your family has some traditions. My family has traditions. And we're going to look at why we have some of these traditions and where they came from. And I'm sure you'll be surprised by some of the meanings behind them. So we're going to dive straight into it today. We're going to open with a Bible verse and we're going to be basing ourselves in John chapter 1. And we'll read verse 1 to 14 together. This is what it says. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, for the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are not reborn with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Well, one of my favorite days of the year is the first Saturday of December. The reason I love this day so much is because me and my family, we decide that this day we're going to decorate our home ready for Christmas. My dad goes up to the attic in our house and he pulls down all the decorations. There's usually a huge mess everywhere, but we have the Christmas music playing in the background. We have that fake fireplace scene from YouTube on the TVs. And it's just a brilliant time. We, we have a lot of banter. We thoroughly enjoy it. My dog, Charlie, and, and our cat, Pearl, we, we don't, they don't like it so much because of all the disruption and change. But I love decorating our home for Christmas. My dad always does the outside lights. He always puts them up. Me and my mother, we usually do the inside. And, and my dad helps out with that also. But my favorite part of decorating our home is the Christmas tree. We've got this big seven-foot Christmas tree that goes into one of the living rooms. And I absolutely love decorating that tree. It is the best part. But I wonder, have you ever wondered why we put this massive tree in our homes every year? Why is this the focal point of our homes over the festive season? You know, we spend so much money trying to find the perfect Christmas tree, buying the perfect Christmas tree. Or maybe you're a little bit more traditional. Maybe you buy a real tree or maybe even go out and cut down your own tree, strap it to the roof of your car and take it home. I don't know what you do, but, but have you ever wondered why is there so much fuss around the Christmas tree? Families like to have photographs next to the Christmas tree. We decorate the Christmas tree. But why do we have a Christmas tree? Well, I decided to do a little bit of research this year to find out where Christmas trees 
actually came from and why there is so much fuss around it over the Christmas period. And I was quite surprised, actually. There are some powerful truths about why we have a Christmas tree and there's powerful reminders about the Christmas tree as well. And so I just want to share them with you today. And this tradition began with a German man named Martin Luther. Now, Martin Luther, he lived in the 1500s and he was quite a, a controversial German minister. He was credited with being one of the founders of the Protestant church, but he was also the man who first introduced the Christmas tree. The story goes that he was walking outside on a beautiful Christmas Eve. He was enjoying nature on Christmas Eve and he was gazing at the stars. He was admiring the snow covered limbs of all the evergreen trees around him. And in that moment, he was overcome with the wonder and the beauty of God's creation. And so he had a fantastic idea. He wanted his family to experience what he was experienced, what he had experienced. So he cut down this Christmas tree and he decided to take it into his family. He didn't want his family going outside, so he thought he'll take the experience to them. So he cut down a tree and took it into his home so that his whole family could share this experience. You know, for Martin Luther, the Christmas tree, the, the wonder of nature, it wasn't just a beautiful thing to behold but actually it was an encouragement for martin luther it was an encouragement that god was the one who created all this the heavens the earth and everything in them god created the mountains god created the sky god created the waterfalls he created the vast oceans god created the planets the stars he created the sun the moon the sky he created it all you know, the Bible tells us this right in the very beginning of the Bible. The opening line of the Bible says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, it's no accident either. The, even the first words in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, talks about Jesus and talks about how he, Jesus, who is God, how he was there created it, creating it all. It says in verse 3 of John chapter 1, God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. God created this world. But you know, God's greatest creation not, wasn't just nature. It wasn't just the animals. It wasn't the planets. It wasn't the mountain ranges. It wasn't the snow-covered trees. The Bible says that God's greatest creation was you and me, was mankind. Genesis 1 verse 26 to 27 says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. Among all the amazing wonder of creation, God's greatest part of creation was you and me. He chose to create you and me because of his love for you and me. He wanted to know you and me. And you know, just like a painting reflects the art style and the characteristics of its painter, so you and I too can see the majesty, the greatness and the wonder of our God through his creation. And so as you put up your Christmas tree this year, may it be a reminder, first of all, that, that this world didn't come about by coincidence or chance. 
that you and I weren't a mistake or an accident or just the result of some big bang gas explosion that happened in, in the galaxy somewhere. But actually, the Bible reminds us that you and I were created by God, that this world was created by God. And as you put up that Christmas tree this year, may it be a reminder for you that God created all of this. He created you and me. Now, I'm not sure how pleased Martin Luther's wife was that this that he decided to bring this tree, this massive tree into their home. But, but once it was in the home, he didn't just leave her there, but Martin Luther decided to decorate the tree. And the story goes that he put candles onto the Christmas tree so that he could reclaim the full beauty of what he experienced outside. And this was the first representation of the Christmas tree and lights hanging from its branches. You know, for Martin Luther, the candles, they were a representation, a representation of Jesus. But you might wonder why. Why would he decide to put candles on a tree after all it's flammable you know his house could have gone up in flames but but why on earth did he decide to put candles why did he want lights on the tree well you know the god who lives in unapproachable light veiled his glory he took on human flesh we're reminded of this at christmas and he was born as a human baby you know when the when the gospel when the bible talks about jesus and talks about him coming into this world as a babe in a manger and growing up and his life out here on earth they ex repeatedly explain him come into this earth in terms of light. It's quite interesting, actually, as you read through the Gospels. It says in John chapter 8 and, and verse 12, Jesus, as he goes into the temple, he says he is the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Later on, Jesus took Peter, James and John to the mountaintop and there he was transfigured. This, this veil was torn away and, and they caught a glimpse of Almighty God who is in unapproachable light. They caught a glimpse of that day. This dazzling light radiating from Jesus. In, in Mark chapter 9, the Gospels say that his clothes were far whiter than, than any earthly bleach could ever make them. John, he, he must have recalled this when he, he penned those words in John 1 verse 14. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only son. G John knew that Jesus wasn't just a normal human being, but in fact, it was God in the flesh, that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he had seen the face of God. You know, years later in the book of Acts, after Jesus' death and his resurrection, and as the church begins after the Spirit is outpoured, we, we meet a man whose name is Saul, and He's seen the same glory. He was blinded by this intense light, this, this pure light from God. And he sees, he has this encounter with the resurrected Jesus and he falls to the ground. He uses the voice of God and he decides to, to follow God. He commits his life to God and he's one of the guys whose life was completely turned around from a persecutor of the church to a follower of Jesus. And he established churches. Jesus' glory there was no longer veiled, but but we see that the Son, He shares the Father's glory. This intense light of God's presence came among us in Jesus Christ. And you know, when Jesus stepped into this world, the light of the world came. He came and stepped into the darkness of this world. And He, he opened up a way for those who live in darkness and walk in darkness to live in the light. John 1 verse 4 to 9 says this, The Word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. 
God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. You know, we're living in a very dark time right now. Obviously, naturally, this time of year, we're building up to the darkest day of the year. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm just talking about what everything that's happening in our world right now. Spiritually speaking, we're living in a very, very dark time. You know, as we turn on the news, that's all it is. It's crisis, crisis, crisis. You know, we had some Americans come over this summer and they ministered powerfully to us. We had a gospel service. It was fantastic. But, you know, as I was speaking to some of these Americans, they said that as they were over here, as they were watching the news, there was one word that seemed to be repeated all the time. And that was the word crisis. You know, I know American news can be quite dramatic sometimes and they, they love all the bad things. But but they said they, it was so extreme. It really caught their attention that, that there's, there's this narrative that everything is a crisis. Our world is in a mess. And it really is when you think about it. You know, the pandemic is still lingering on. We've got all these natural disasters even happening recently with Indonesia. We've got wars with Ukraine and Russia, rumors of wars with Poland and all these things. There's economic crisis. You know, our uh, we're currently in a recession. We've got political turmoil. Our government is in a mess. Governments around the world are in, the, are in a mess. And on top of this, we've got the the effects of sin that's just rampaging throughout society. Broken homes, broken families, addictions on the rise like never, for, uh, never before. Confusion of our identity. There is such a mess in our world right now. And on top of that, with all this happening in our world, maybe you're watching this and you've got your own personal struggles, health problems, financial problems, family problems. Maybe you've, you were struggling right now. These are battles that we constantly face every single day and maybe you're watching this today and maybe you feel surrounded by the darkness but I have good news for you today and that good news is that the light of the world has come and that his light will never be overcome by darkness Jesus can shine into the darkness of your light of your life you know the light of our God the light of Jesus the light of the world he his light it brings direction into our lives if you're watching this and you need direction for your future you're wondering what which way to go you're afraid about a job or you're wondering what's going to happen maybe a relationship whatever it is Jesus can shine his light into that situation he can direct you he can guide you for he has a plan a purpose for your life Jesus's light shines on what's real and what's not there is such a narrative. There's so many lies out there these days, but I'm so glad that Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He reveals what's real and what's not. His light gives hope. And we are living in a hopeless world, but we have a hope in our God. He is a living hope, and you can experience that hope today. And the light of Jesus brings life. It brings life, spiritual life, eternal life. He can take you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. You can be born again. You can have a hope. You can have a future. You can know forgiveness of sins. You can know God for yourself. That is what our God does. And so when Martin Luther put those candles on that tree, on that Christmas tree, it was a reminder, Jesus, he is the light of the world his light shines into the darkness of our lives and the darkness will never overcome it so when you put those lights on your christmas tree this year may that be a reminder for you but you know as the story continues as we come towards a conclusion as the story continues 
from there, the, the final step, the, the popularity of the Christmas tree, it was growing and, and it grew even more when Prince Charles brought a tree into Buckingham Palace in the late 18th century. From there, candles, they were replaced with lights as electricity was invented and ornaments were added to the tree to, to show our own unique personalities and people's expression. But there was also something else that was added to the tree. And this is probably my favorite part of the Christmas tree. And that final step was having gifts underneath the tree. The reason why people put gifts underneath the tree was to represent, God, represent God's gift of salvation to all of humanity. God's gift wasn't under a tree, but he was put onto a tree. Jesus Christ made a way possible for you and me to know him as our savior. You know, one of the greatest Bible truths of all is that salvation is a free gift. It's available to all people. It's not something we can buy. It's not something we can earn. It's not about becoming a good person. It's not about doing good things. It's not about attending church. Salvation is something that we can't earn. Because the Bible puts it this way in Romans 6 verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us two important truths about God's gift of salvation. First of all, the Bible says that this was a, cost, a costly gift. Just think about it this way for a moment. Suppose you have somebody you love and you want to express that love for somebody, especially over Christmas. You want to buy a perfect gift. You want to get the best gift possible. What will you have to do? Well, you'll have to go to a shop and you'll have to pay for it or you'll order it online and, and you'll get that nicer gift. And the nicer gift that you want, the better gift that you want, the more you're going to have to pay for it. It's going to cost you. Now, to the person who's receiving that gift, that gift is free. But for you, it wasn't free. It wasn't free on your part. And the same is true with God's gift of salvation. To us, it is free. But to God, it cost him everything. God gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and me. Jesus took the punishment for all the bad things, for our sin, for the sin of humanity. He took it on himself so we could be made right with God. There was nothing you and I could do to be made right with God, but Jesus took the punishment for our sins so we could be reconciled to God. It, on the cross, Jesus Christ became the final sacrifice for our sins. He paid for our salvation with his blood. So today we can receive the gift of salvation. It costs God everything, but it's free for you and me. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. But you know, the Bible tells us a, a second truth. Just like with any gift, God's gift doesn't come until we accept it. It says this in John 3, 16 to 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Just like you and I can refuse a gift from, that somebody offers us, so you and I have the choice to refuse the gift of God's salvation. We don't have to receive it. But why on earth would you do that? 
Why wouldn't you want to know forgiveness of sins? Why wouldn't you want to know the hope of when you die that you will go to heaven and you won't go to a lost eternity? You won't go to hell separated from God forever in a place of torment. Why on earth would you pass up that free gift? Why wouldn't you want to give your life to Jesus knowing his love and how he laid down his life for you? I want to encourage you today. Don't let that happen. Don't let today slip by without receiving this free gift of God. And we receive it by faith, by believing in Jesus. Reach out and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for what you've done. I accept this gift of salvation. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. You can pray a prayer like that today and you can receive the gift of salvation. John 1 verse 10 to 13 says this. Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And so as we come to an end of this message today, as we come to a conclusion, this year, when you put up your Christmas tree, which I'll be doing this coming week, when you put up your Christmas tree, I want you to reclaim its original intent and its original purpose. I want to encourage you, first of all, to take a moment as you put up that that Christmas tree to be thankful for the wonder and splendor of God's creation. And be reminded that you are not an accident, but you were created in the image of God. God loves you and God has a plan for your life. Why not take a moment this Christmas when you put in the lights around your Christmas tree to thank God for Jesus Jesus Christ, the light of the world who stepped into our darkness and who can step into your darkness today and bring, can bring his light and his life and turn that situation around. And finally, why not take a moment to reflect on the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation that Jesus has come to give you and me. Amen.